Radio was my first career choice back in high school. Uh, I was an avid Howard Stern listener, daily. Yeah, all the stuff with the women was fun for the walking bag of hormones that was 16-year-old me, but, and I'm, I'm not lying here even a little, that was not my favorite part of the show. My favorite part was when they'd be just sitting around and BSing, you know, ripping on each other. They were getting paid millions to hang out and do what me and my friends did at the lunch table every day. Plus, Howard's a giant nerd, and he got to be successful being, you know, exactly who he was. So what non-athletic, socially awkward, yet still extroverted person wouldn't want that? The problem was, radio was turning to crap in the early 2000s. Uh, Clear Channel, now iHeartRadio, was gobbling up every station it could and just sucking the life out of them. Just turning them into generic, bland, white bread versions, uh, carbon copies of, of stations around the country. The only good station left in the Rochester, New York area was a nonprofit station, shout out to 90.5 WBER, they're still going strong, but that didn't seem feasible to me uh, as a, a career choice. Long story short, I was thrilled to see podcasting come around a few years later uh, and for its explosion in popularity these past years. I know some people make fun of Everyone's got a podcast, but I love it. It the the diversity of of topic and opinion and backgrounds of hosts is fantastic, and the fact that it's just so easy to start up um, means that there's a place for everyone to go and listen. I saw my opportunity to help candidates and staffers be their best through this medium. Um, I learned how to produce it myself got started. I got 10 episodes into my podcast called Walk Sheet, and then I stopped. Here, I had the opportunity to fulfill a childhood dream of having my own show where I got to talk about the things that I cared about, and I walk away after a couple months? What? Why? We found out we were having a baby. It turned out to be a much more difficult pregnancy than either of us anticipated. It was a difficult pregnancy because I have several conditions that cause severe chronic pain. And so the larger the baby got, the more stress it put on my body and the more pain it created. And I just sat around, you know, eating pretzels, drinking, and, and just letting you go by the wayside, right? You don't like pretzels. You think they're too salty. They are too salty often. I'm just saying. Um, no, actually, you were pretty amazing. You did everything. You cooked and you cleaned and you took care of the dogs and you took care of me and you were working full time and went to appointments with me and yeah I mean you you did everything in the almost two years since Eloise has been born uh, we've established a pretty good routine I, I still don't get as much done creatively as I'd like um, and part of that is on me. I can better prepare for the week on the weekends to give myself another couple hours to write, read, produce this show, plan the other content for potluck throughout the week, etc. But honestly, between running my own business and caring for a toddler, by the end of the day, I am bushed. All this is to say that in my own way, I'm making it work. How do you? How do people who run for office, one of the most time-intensive, 
stressful things you can do make it work. I'm a single parent. I have two uh, daughters. Uh, at the time, they were pretty little. I have to kind of do a little bit of math here. They were about five and six or four and five. Uh, it was really, really difficult, and there really wasn't room uh, in the arena for somebody with my situation. There certainly wasn't, you know, empathy, support, infrastructure. There wasn't anything going on that said families are welcome to run, single parents are welcome to run. I spoke with my friend Miyoko Hikiji about this very topic a few weeks back. She ran for the Iowa Senate in 2016 as a single parent. It was tough. She'll tell you. It was everything a first-time candidate does. I mean, there's, there wasn't a lot of background for me, uh, except for having worked on a, a bill related to sexual assault in the military at the Capitol in the previous year. I think that win is what gave me the motivation and the momentum to think maybe I could do more with it. But, you know, working on a bill and running for a state senate seat are, are two really very different things. And so I was really jumping in uh, feet first, and I did a lot of uh, building the plane as it was flying. It was a little bit frustrating because, you know, here, you know, on the Democratic side, there were a lot of issues that were popping up that year related to affordable daycare, related to you know, women's equality for wages and all of these things, but then the way in which it applied to the people who experienced it and understood it the best because they were living it, then they didn't have the opportunity to use that experience to be in a position of power to really move that forward. So that I found really, uh, really frustrating. What kind of reforms would you like to see made to our electoral system, you know, that would, that would better facilitate, uh, you know, people like you, parents, well, I think the, one of the first things is we really have to consider when and how we do political events so that they're family friendly. I, I hear that from a lot of parents. I did then. Uh, one of the events I did was at a Monkey Joe's so parents could, you know, drop their kids off to jump on in bounce houses and have a conversation with me. So I think if we don't design it so that it's easy, it would be really hard for us to assume or even want parents to pick politics before their own family. So, you know, putting it in an environment where the timing is good, where childcare is available, I think that's really a must. Uh, otherwise, I think we're, we're in a situation where we really look like hypocrites for the things that we're fighting for, but we can't institute within our own uh, events, in our own party, in as in a small a race as a state senate race or in Iowa politics. You're telling me four-year-olds don't want to stand around and hear a stump speech, laundry list of policies? Uh, cookies help. Uh, coloring pages help. All, you know, and they're all small things, just enough to, you know, keep it. You know, I know that kids aren't going to always, it won't always work out for every family at every event. But if there would be a way that we could make it more inclusive so that families at least felt welcome. I think moms have to be able to go into a place and not feel like, oh, they're bringing their kids, or oh, look, somebody brought their kid. Oh, their kid might say something out loud at the wrong time. Like, this is this is life. And part of, you know, I, I think part of the interesting thing is also when we're talking about public education in the school system, we a lot of times sit in rooms talking about people who aren't there. And I think when we're, we have our kids there or any other group that we're talking about present, I really do think it, it has, a, it shapes the conversation a little differently. There was, there was talk about, I think it's now legal at the federal level, but here in Iowa, 
you can't use uh, campaign donations, you can't use campaign funds to uh, pay for child care. How, how much would that have helped you if, if you could have done that? Uh, I think it would have helped, but I also think that, you know, so much of the focus in politics is to get as many people to do as many free things for you as possible. Uh, it, and, you know, there's a part of that, too, which also seems a little against the philosophy of what it is that we want. Uh, you know, as Democrats, we want people to get paid livable wages. And in order to provide that for others, we want people to work for us for free. I mean, I find that just... It's a little contradictory to to what it is our own message is. So I think we have to be supportive of of instituting what it is we believe within our own campaigns. I think it always starts within. I think it starts with the campaign itself as being the example. Otherwise, I think we're stuck in uh, trying to promote things that we, by our own actions, don't appear to believe. And I think that's just really problematic for the message. So how did you handle child care during during? You know, all the days you had to go out door knocking. Sometimes they came with me, and I didn't knock as many doors as I wanted to. <laughs> like, like a huge but, number of fewer doors. <laughs> but when they're with you, no one slams the door in your face, right? No, I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I think do, people did respect the fact that they were coming along with me because they're a part of my family, and they were part of some of the things that I was talking about uh, when it came to public education and their own school district in Johnston. So they were, they were kind about that, but only to a point, because that's the voter side of it. I think the institution side of it uh, doesn't look at it quite that way. Uh, that's a lost opportunity. That's not hitting as many doors. And so there is this idea that, you know, family and all other things should automatically be moved to the side and that that's part of the sacrifice of being a candidate. And I think we really need to have a better balance in that. Not that candidates shouldn't be working hard, but if the balance isn't there, then we're just not promoting healthy families and healthy work-life balance and, and healthy work environments. And I don't think that that recruits the very best candidates. And I think that's you know, also part of the issue. If we leave out big uh, segments of the population from being encouraged to run, then we're missing out on all the talent they could bring if they become leaders. Big ups to my pal Miyoko for meeting up with me and talking about this. Uh, I want to hear from you. How do you make it work? Emily and I take it day by day and recognize the reality of the moment. Sometimes her pain is too bad for her to walk the dogs and cook dinner, so I have to do a little extra, which means maybe I won't have the energy to write or edit or brainstorm or do anything but nod off, mouth agape while watching The Crown. So let me know, how do you make it work? Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Greg Howenstein. Same on Instagram, where I've been slightly more active lately. The Facebook page for this show is facebook.com slash Greg Howenstein Show. Uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast. I have links to do so uh, for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and more on my website, greghowenstein.com. That's G-R-E-G-H-A-U-E-N. S-T-E-I-N dot com or potluck.fm because that's something I'm working on as well. Now go knock some doors. <laughs>